What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. Being a New Orleans native, one of the things that uh, I put a lot of stock in is fine food. You go a lot of places and, you know, you measure that location by the cuisine they serve. I've been around a lot of chefs over the course of my life. The story I want to tell you today has to do with a man that spent nearly 50 years, not just working in the kitchen as a chef, but teaching others, not just how to cook, but things like foraging for mushrooms, how to set a kitchen up. 
how to make a living with your hands, following those things that you really, really love. Today, I want to talk about the murder of Dan Brophy. Jackie Howard's with me, the executive producer of Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Jackie, what do we have relative to Dan Brophy and his life? Dan Brophy was a beloved chef and instructor. His students spoke highly of him. He worked for the Oregon Culinary Institute in Southwest Portland. He had been there since 2006. Students came into the school early one morning and found Daniel Brophy dead, shot in the kitchen, did not appear to be any forced entry. The assumption was made that it was a robbery or attempted robbery, but it took some time for police to come up with the idea of what they think actually happened. Daniel Brophy was married to a romance novelist, Nancy Crampton Brophy. One of the stories that she was credited with writing is called How to Murder Your Husband and also The Wrong Husband. Police began their investigation in the kitchen. How do you start? Because you have a location where many people come in and out, and we all know you cordon off the scene and and start there. But when you have something that, that does not appear to be a a forced entry, Dan Brophy still had his wallet, his cell phones, and his car keys with him. What are the things that we're looking for? Dan's practice, according to, you know, all of his colleagues, uh, was to leave the house early, early in the morning. He would, he'd head out for the culinary school and, you know, sometimes arrive around 530. You imagine that. And, and, you know, one of the reasons, you know, I'm a college professor. It's, you know, I don't have to show up to do that sort of thing. This guy is a hands-on instructor. He he has to make sure that everything is squared away in the kitchen, uh, you know, that all of the foodstuffs are laid out correctly, that they have all of the utensils that they're going to need that day for the instruction that's going to be ongoing. And it's a class set up, so it's labor-intensive. It's, it's, it's remarkable what these guys go through. Very intense learning in this environment. So, you know, when we think about that, that initial theme of 5.30 in the morning, you have to begin to think that if it didn't happen outside the building, which you would you know, think that if somebody's walking from their, from their vehicle to the entrance, that there would be maybe an effort on the part of the victim initially to fight with the person. If they're, if they're being held at, at gunpoint, you know that they know that they're going to be killed or something like that. There's no evidence of that, and then there's no evidence that the lock was jimmied on the door. And here's here's another part to this, is that one of the things that Dan would do, uh, you know, in my opening, I, I talked about how he was uh, a forager. Not only was he a forager, he was considered by some a master gardener. I, I don't even know what goes into that sort of thing, but he would grow herbs. And, and one of the things that we do know about these folks that teach in these culinary environments, you don't get paid a lot of money. So they would have side gigs that they would do. And one of the things that Dan would do is he would have a collection of homegrown herbs and he would kind of bind these things together. I guess things like oregano and sage and all these sorts of things. And he would sell fresh herbs and he would put them on a cart. It's like a hand cart. You see teachers using them lots of times. And you know, that cart was actually in the hallway he had all of his herbs set up out there and even had his keys, 
you know, resting on this cart, which gives you an indication that he was going about his normal process. So there's no evidence that someone walked in and kind of strong armed him, you know, where they're throwing a gun up in his face and he's doing things that are outside of the norm. So as an investigator, when you show up in this environment, you have to begin to factor these things around. And sometimes the stuff doesn't come to light until afterwards. You know, you, the cops have no way of knowing when they show up at the scene that his normal activity was to get this card out, put the herbs on it. Maybe he rested his keys there. Normally, that comes after the fact, after you begin to interview people. So, you know, immediately you're thinking, well, was this somebody that actually knew him that perpetrated this horrible crime? As the police start to interview students who showed up for class that day, one of the things that police uncovered is the fact that the door was still locked. We talked about no forced entry, Joan, right here is the classic telltale sign. The door was still locked. It was Dan Brophy's routine, as you're talking about, to unlock the door for the students as he prepared for the morning. So as they began to show up for class that morning on June 2nd, they knew something was wrong. The students waited for a long time But it wasn't until another instructor let the classmates in that they found Brophy's body. They say he was lying on the floor by the sink, the water was running, and the lights were on. Students began to try to do CPRs. They made the call to 911. So what does all this tell us, Joe, with the fact that the door was still locked? How did the perpetrator get away? This goes to, you know, I use that word. Uh, you know, kind of uh, normal, if if you will. And that's a theme that you'll hear me talk about. I don't care if people get tired of hearing it or not. That's something that everyone will hear from me. And that's what makes death investigation so unique and also so horrible is the fact that I'm not talking about us as investigators. I'm talking about people going about their normal day-to-day business where they are always having to see the abnormal in the context of the normal, you know, for them, for the students that walked in and found their instructor, um, you know, this, this person that they sat at his feet to learn from, you know, laying in this position, can you imagine everything that was going through their mind? They're trying to save their instructor's life at this point. They're doing chest compressions and everything. And he was gone by this time. So whoever had perpetrated this crime had done it in such a manner that there were no signs of life left in his body at that moment in time because he wasn't transported from the scene. They worked the scene. And that's kind of a big tell for us in investigations. That means that when EMS might arrive, they know that there's no hope. So what does that imply? That implies that there is a specific marker in time that has gone out. That means no signs of even agonal respirations. There, you might even have changes after death. At that point, the body is growing cool to the touch. But the question, I think, is how did this individual leave the premises without anybody being aware? How did the door kind of lock behind them, um, you know, as they were exiting? Is there some way to manipulate that lock? And here's another big part to this. How would they have known to have locked that door unless they had intimate knowledge of not just Dan's activities, but the environment itself? One of the students who found 
Dan Brophy began doing CPR, and she said that his chest felt squishy, her words, squishy. She thought she had broken his ribs. Now, ultimately, we know that he was shot. So what would be the explanation for that feeling, Joe, squishy? It can arise from a couple of different places. First off, you have the squishiness. If folks at home will just imagine a, a, a fluid-soaked sponge, if you've ever held a fluid-soaked sponge, whether it's a bath sponge or, you know, uh, one that you keep on the, on the sink when you're washing dishes, you know the consistency of that. It's wet. And when you compress it, it has kind of a squishiness to it. Um, and that would mean that the, the area was potentially very hemorrhagic. Uh, we know that these injuries that Dan sustained went in to his chest. That's very well documented. And when that happens, when that happens, um, you have something that occurs that's referred to as pleural effusion, which means if you have major organs, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a major organ, you can just clip a vessel. And guess what happens at that point in time? That open space around the lungs just begins to fill with blood. And there's nowhere for it to go. Remember, it's it's no longer in the vessels. You're bleeding out into this open space. So when she's doing compressions like this, there could be a squishy feeling. Uh, and even from bullet defects, you can have blood. If you can, can you imagine this being a student and you're doing chest compressions through the defects, you've got blood that's kind of, it's almost like a font that's coming up and spraying blood, not spraying in the sense of arterial spray. It's not that dynamic, but the area outside of the body is becoming super saturated with every compression that you do. Now, another explanation for this is that if in fact these rounds were to pass through any of the bony structures, when you begin to think about the sternum, which is the large flat bone that's right in the center of our chest uh, or the, the ribs to either side, those are going to become fractured as well uh, just by the, the impact of these rounds. Uh, that'll have kind of a, I guess, a, a good way to describe it is a squishiness to it, too, because all of that area, as long as he is still living for a moment or two, uh, becomes uh, super infused with hemorrhage around that area. Those, those little areas under the skin are becoming hemorrhagic. So that'll lend itself to that as well. So. It's a bloody mess. In the literal sense of that term, I can uh, I feel so sorry for the student that had to endure this because it was absolutely a horror show. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and a big shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing free samples. I live in an area where allergies are a day-to-day -day issue, and finding an over-the-counter option for relief is like the holy grail. I use Astapro, and I strongly recommend you give it a try. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, and it's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays can take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. 
Astapro and Go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Years ago, when I got out of my field full-time, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I had sleep disorder. I had depression. And for me, I had to turn to someone to talk to, somebody that could aid me along the path to healing, to restore me to that person that maybe I was at one point in time, to make me better for not just myself, but my family. If you're thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can do this anytime that you like. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com bags today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. That's Better. H-E-L-P.com slash bags. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now wherever you listen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We talk about this a lot in death investigation, particularly where homicide is involved. Uh, you, You begin to think about, you know, who could have been angry enough, agitated enough in order to bring an end to somebody's life. 
And contrary to what you see in even popular media uh, or in fictionalized novels, it's generally not some stranger in a dark alley. It's going to be those individuals that are in our immediate circle. And in this case, Dan Brophy's wife, Nancy, was arrested. Yes, she was. In fact, she quickly became the only suspect in this murder. Police found evidence leading back to Nancy Brophy. And in fact, the first thing which was a strike against her was the title of her novel, How to Murder Your Husband. I would have to imagine doing what you do for a living, and me as well, being a journalist, one of the things that we both do is ask questions. When you throw a writer in with a forensics person, that can be a dangerous combination. You're absolutely right about that. I, I'm going to confess something here. I'm going to confess one of my greatest fears. You don't find people doing this very often because it shows you being weak, but I'm going to confess one of my greatest fears. I, I've been involved in forensics and death investigation since I was a very young man, since I was essentially 20, 21 years old. It's the first time I ever walked in a morgue. And people are always curious. They're always curious. They, they always want to know because people are generally not around death. And for me, you know, I inhabited the world of death for years and years trying to figure out what happened. And there are any number of times I've been called to speak in public. And, of course, I do it on air a lot. And I would go to these writers meetings. They would ask me to come in and speak, you know, to crime writers, want to be, you know, uh, fictional crime writers and that sort of thing. And there's always that little thing in the back of my mind where I'm speaking to this crowd and I, they haven't been vetted. Uh, and generally they're there, you know, for their purposes. They, they want to know about forensics and kind of how it all works and this sort of thing. But there was always that little thing in the back of my mind is who exactly am I educating on this audience? Is there, are these people here to try to learn about the mechanics of forensics and certainly the science of it and how they can create this beautiful narrative where they create some kind of mystery or, do they want something else from me? Do they want to try to figure out how to get away with a perfect crime? So in answer to your question, yeah, it's something that has always kind of sat in the back of my mind and made me quite fearful many times. You know, you kind of walk out of the room after you've talked to me saying, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but to this, to that point, I, I, I have, I have no evidence yet to, to, uh, to indicate that I've been in any way implicated in any kind of homicide out there. Yeah. Well, Nancy Brophy's self-published romance, How to Murder Your Husband, essentially ended up not being admitted into trial. The judge ruled that it would be excluded, but there was lots of other evidence. There was a timeline that didn't seem to add up of where Nancy Brophy said she was to the surveillance video, Joe, of traffic cameras that showed Nancy Brophy's minivan in the streets around the Institute close to the time of the shooting, but she says she was nowhere near the Institute. So how did police go about putting all of these things together to come up with a timeline of how she could have done it? Yeah, you know, in, in this case, they lived obviously some distance away from the institution. And, you know, there's always already one vehicle that's there, and that's Dan's vehicle that he had shown up early in the morning, you know, to begin work. And you've got a very tight window here. You'd have to have intimate knowledge of the comings and goings, not only of Dan, but guess what other population? The students and then Dan's colleagues that are showing up to work. So when they saw her van, 
you know, kind of circling in this area when they went back and reviewed the CCTV uh, information, it, it did not marry up with the times that she claimed um, she was not there. I mean, you know, you, you've got a physical uh, image of her driving about moving around at a, uh, shortly after Dan had come into the location and began to set up for the day. And, you know, we kind of talked about that, but, you know, there were these, these other issues that had come up. She claimed that I think that she had still remained in bed uh, when Dan had left the house. She had an awareness that he had left apparently, but she contends that she was, you know, in bed writing that that's, you know, we've already talked about how she was a writer. And then there was the issue of feeding the chickens. They kept, they kept chickens uh, on their property there, uh, which is another kind of little aside relative to, to Dan and the world that he inhabited. Dan, uh, I didn't even know this kind of thing existed. I guess I should have, but Dan was regarded as a master poultry uh, preparer. And one of the things about that is you have to know how to slaughter chickens. And so they actually had chickens on property there that would be obviously to furnish eggs, but also to provide meat um, so that you could do dishes with these sorts of things. So all of that did not marry up with the police. And you have you have a suspect that is telling you something that does not marry up with what the the police are sitting there and I can see them all sitting around a monitor before they ever approach her about this. And they're establishing a timeline that's marrying up because, you know, every one of these CCTV uh, uh, cameras, as it's being recorded, it's documenting that time over and over again, second by second, we're working in linear time. And if you go back and you begin to question a suspect in this particular case, you know that there is, it is an empirical impossibility for her to have been in two places at one time. In this case, she apparently was riding around, scoping out the area, measuring the area for who may or may not be there. Was Dan there by herself? And it's that moment in time she apparently chose to strike. Another very important piece of evidence that came into play here was money. Money always seems to be a top motivator from what we've seen covering cases for a very long time now. And what we find out is that Nancy Crampton Brophy, had taken out life insurance policies on her husband's name. Now, in general, that's not, you know, most wives and husbands have insurance policies on each other. But we find out that she took out 10 different life insurance policies in her husband's name that would give her at his death more than a million dollars. So what we find out is that Nancy Brophy was in money trouble. So many times we find out these cases are rooted in financial gain. And, uh, you know, as a financial investigator, if you if you bring somebody into the case that that does forensic accounting, for instance, and has a, a real feel for numbers, um, particularly in the world of insurance and those sorts of things, they do a they can run a balance sheet, essentially. And that's kind of an oversimplistic way of putting this. But you have to understand, you know, how much is your life actually valued at and your properties you know one of the reasons that you that you have an insurance policy is you, know, you want to make sure that your loved ones are taken care of but if you have like for instance outstanding debts particularly the biggest one in our life is generally our mortgage do you have sufficient amount of funds to cover that you know say one lump sum that's given to you and you can cover it. but this this far exceeded what their what their 
what their balance sheet as a couple uh, belied. It, it was, you know, this is so far over the top that you have to begin to understand that she's attempting to pay off debt. And the sad part about it is that because she put together these insurance policies, and I think you had mentioned that there were upwards of 10 that she had taken off. That, that's a huge red flag for investigators. Now, like you said, it, it doesn't necessarily make you guilty of homicide, but it is a circumstantial element. And a lot of this case is circumstantial, as we'll get to. It's a circumstantial element that goes in to put together this entire piece that we're looking about the life that they lived. And that's that's what this is all about when you begin to think, you know, we talk about the forensics of it relative to the gunshot wounds and the condition of the scene, but what is what are those factors leading up to? What's the motivation behind ending Dan's life? So we've laid out an investigation here. We have a timeline that doesn't match. We have a computer forensics timeline. We have money difficulties. And then we come down to the last piece of circumstantial evidence, and that is a gun. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the biggest elements that comes about in a homicide is, I would imagine, for the perpetrators, they have to decide how they're going to go about it. And I'm not talking about timing. I'm not talking about uh, are they going to be able to have access to, to, their, to their target. I'm talking about how are they going to go about it. How are they going to bring about the end of somebody's life? What tool are they going to use? And we cover a lot of things here. We talk about blunt force injuries. We talk about sharp force injuries. We talk about poisoning sometimes, but in this case, there was a very unique weapon that was involved in this case. Glock 17 and the Glock 19 and a ghost gun. Lots of things to uncover there, Joe, but we're going to start back with the computer in that Nancy Crampton Brophy researched guns online and then she purchased a gun at a gun show. Now, her attorneys explained that Brophy was working on a book about a woman who basically got revenge on an abusive partner by killing him with a gun assembled from pieces bought online. And in order to make her story believable, Nancy Brophy had to be able to do this and understand how to do this to make her story credible. First off, Joe, how do you do that? Why do you do that? And then we'll get into a ghost gun. You know, one of the things that we look for in forensics um, are what we refer to as ballistic signatures. And that is, and if our listeners would just, you know, think about those things that make us unique. Uh, it's a principle in forensics that we refer to as individualization. And this goes to the implements that are used in in perpetration of a homicide. Um, you know, we begin to think about fingerprints. We begin to think about pattern injuries that come about as being struck with some kind of blunt force object like a hammer. In this case, we're talking about firearms. This ballistic fingerprint that comes down the line, um, every barrel, if you will, 
every firing pin, every extractor on a weapon leaves behind a definitive signature on either an expended casing, which is in a semi-automatic weapon. It's that soft metal casing that is ejected out of the port that's left behind by the extractor marks. And of course, as the projectile is traveling down the barrel, it kind of expands out in the barrel because of the heat and the explosion that takes place, that little miniature explosion. And it expands out into what are referred to as the lands and grooves, which are the spiraling features inside of the barrel that are actually uh, manufactured in there. And it, the spiraling creates stability in the, in the, in the, projectile it also maintains power you know years ago you had muskets that weren't rifled rifling these lands and grooves maintain that energy so you have much more power upon delivery as it exits. but the trade-off with this is that those spirals in there are unique to individual weapons and i'll give you an example if we if we have a weapon that comes from manufacturer a and it's, say, a 9 millimeter, and they make, say, 300 weapons in a run, guess what? Each ballistic signature of that 300, even though they're manufactured at the same time, is going to be unique to that weapon. And much more so, after those weapons make, it, make their way out into the hands of individuals that purchase them, that signature becomes more unique and it's dependent upon how well you take care of the weapon. If you clean it, what type of ammunition you're pushing through it. Um, and also just day to day bumping around and that can impact the ballistic signature that's left behind. So every weapon is unique. And that's one of the things that we look for when we recover projectiles from bodies or say that are embedded, say that have passed through a body and they embed themselves into walls or floors. We go in there and carefully extract those projectiles so that we can look at the impressions that are left along the shaft of this, of this projectile and test fire it through the suspected weapon and see if those lands and grooves match up. Now there's one more piece that I didn't talk about here. Something else that is unique to a weapon is the firing pin impression. And that is, it, it almost looks like a nail if you think about a firing pin and you're talking about the tip of it as the weapon is charged essentially in order to fire, you know, kind of cocked, if you will. The weapon is cocked and that firing pin slams forward on the base of every one of these bullets, uh, intact ammunition. There is what's called a primer cap. That's at the base. It's right in the center. It's, it looks like a bullseye. And microscopically, did you know that you can actually marry up the tip of a firing pin to the strike point in the center of that primer cap? And it is unique to that firing pin. So you've got several points along the way where you can match these things up. But is that still possible given the fact that Nancy Brophy bought multiple interchangeable parts for this gun. Well, that, that's that's the problem. If you if you buy in this case, there was a Glock, which is a particular manufacturer, and people hear about it in the media all the time and in entertainment. You know, uh, you hear about a Glock weapon, which is an Austrian-made weapon. 
she had a Glock 17 and she had a Glock 19. Now, they're both nine millimeter weapons, which is the type of ammunition that's used. And so the interesting thing about these two weapons is that you can, even though they're different models, the 17 is actually longer than the 19. You can actually use parts from the 17 in the 19 and kind of vice versa on a limited, a limited basis. However, however, if you go out independently after having purchased these two factory made weapons, you get into this weird world that's referred to as the ghost gun environment. And, you know, for folks that don't understand what a ghost gun is, this is an aftermarket adaptation that you can go out and purchase. Um, some people refer to them as homemade guns, but they're available out there. They've been available for years and years. And let me kind of tell you how this works. If you think about a semi-automatic weapon, such as in the Glock 17, it has a slide on top of it. And you may have seen this in movies where people will charge the weapon by pulling the slide back and then it slams forward. Well, when you pull that slide back, what you're doing is in a, a very simplistic way. I'll just use this because the, the Glock doesn't have a hammer, like an external hammer. You're essentially cocking that weapon. Now, what happens is if you buy a ghost gun, and in this case, we're talking about a barrel and a slide, you take the manufactured barrel and slide off of the weapon. Okay, you put it aside. And you take your ghost gun, which fits the same frame, and you slide it on top. And remember how I talked about earlier that these barrels create unique signatures, okay? Unique signatures that are unique to those particular barrels. Well, when you pump around through that thing, you take the slide off of it, you take the barrel off of it, which are the ghost gun, if you will, and you put the factory the factory made slide and barrel back on it. No one's going to be any the wiser. You take the ghost gun parts and I don't know. I've been to Portland. Portland's right by the uh, Pacific ocean. You take that thing and you throw it out there as far as you can, because at this point when the ballistic examination was done on both the 17 and the 19, they, they couldn't tie it back to either one of those barrels. And this all comes down to digital forensics. Because the police believe, the police believe that Nancy went on eBay of all places and purchased a ghost gun. So this brings us back to that firing pin that you were talking about just a moment ago, Joe. They were not able to match that strike. Yeah, they're not. Uh, and this is what's <laughs> and I can only imagine for uh, firearms examiners. Some people refer to them as uh, uh, ballistics, ballistic scientist and firearms examination. Um, I can only imagine their frustration <laughs> because they've got two casings. Remember, Dan was shot twice. Uh, his injuries were essentially uh, in in the chest okay and in the back and here's a little something that people might not know that don't deal in the world of anatomy the way i do we have both um an anterior chest and a posterior chest physicians when they're doing an examination and autopsy they generally don't say back they'll say posterior chest because they all kind of communicate with one another so for 
for our purposes here, we'll say he was shot in the anterior and posterior chest. He had two rounds that, that entered his body. They actually recovered. They actually recovered the spent casings. And can you imagine the frustration that when they get there, uh, and they recover these casings, the police are probably thinking, oh, wow, we've recovered the casings. The perpetrator, the person that perpetrated this crime, didn't stay around long enough to collect them, and then they ride off into the sunset. No, they left them behind. That's a big piece of evidence, and it's something that when you're um, an investigator and you're working unsolved homicide, that's one box you can tick automatically say, oh, my gosh, we've got recovered casings at the scene. That means that if we can get our hands on a suspected weapon, we can pair that up because we're looking at extraction marks, which when that slide goes back in the process of firing, there's these extractors that pull that pull these rounds out or pull the spent casing out and it ejects it. And they leave these little striations on the side of the casing. And striations is just a fancy term for little linear marks that are on there, but they are unique to a particular weapon. Okay. That is extractors contained within that slide. They also couldn't match up the firing pin in this case, again, contained within this slide. And when you look at the base of that bullet right there on that primer cap and you look at it microscopically, it's when you, <laughs> for people that are not familiar with microscopes and, you know, when you do comparison microscopes in the ballistic lab, you begin to look down uh, the, the, the ocular uh, viewer and you can see down the long axis and you're looking at that dented primer cap and it has features like the moon that are unique, that are unique to that particular event. And can you imagine they're test firing it with similar ammunition and they're not generating the same thing every time. So their frustration is really high. So at, at the close, all they could do is put this together circumstantially. Now, the interesting thing about a Glock weapon is that out of all the other weapons that are out there, Glocks are unique. Um, and particularly, from years back, depending upon what generation of Glock you bought. They're the first weapon. A lot of people don't know this. They're the first weapon that is actually formed out of a plastic mold, and they're made with polymers, which makes them very, very light. Their characteristics are unique. So when you're looking at general classification as a ballistic scientist and you're examining this thing, you can generally categorize the extraction marks you can generally categorize the rifling marks that are left behind on a projectile and even the firing pin marks and say, okay, I might not know which Glock this came from, but I do know it came from a Glock as opposed to a Smith & Wesson or a Ruger or HK or a Sig Sauer or whatever you're looking at. I know that this came from a Glock, but they just couldn't match it up to a specific one. How technically apt do you need to be to be able to assemble these gun parts to make a working gun. We know that Nancy Brophy bought ghost gun parts online, and then she also bought a slide and barrel to fit the Glock that she already had. So how much knowledge do you need to be able to make this a working gun? I'll sum this up by making this one statement. Do you have a computer and do you have access to YouTube? That's how simple it is. And with about a 15-minute tutorial, you can learn how to break down their whole categories within YouTube that teach you how to clean a Glock weapon. Any number of the platforms that are out there that Glock has created, you can go and put in that particular type of Glock. 
And part of cleaning a weapon is you have to break the weapon down. Okay. So within about 15 minutes, you can change it in and out. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, when she's planning this thing, she's, you know, she's saying Eureka, you know, because she bought this, this ghost gun, if you will. And she already has these two other platforms and she looks at this thing and she says, okay, well, everything's riding on this. You know, all her quote unquote research is riding on this. She's watched a YouTube video. She sat there. She disassembles the manufacturer made weapon, grabs those ghost uh, elements, plops it on there, charges the weapon. And she looks at it and she can dry fire it. And she knows right then that her task is accomplished. And all it takes now is for, and I don't know that she did this, but all it would take now is for her to go to a firing range or somewhere out in the wilderness and pop off a few rounds to get comfortable with this thing, just to make sure that it works, just so that she has maybe a fail safe in place. Because I don't know if she may have shown up with a backup weapon. Remember, she had two Glocks. But it's very easy to do. It's not like she has to be even a gunsmith in order to do this. I think that anybody that has access to the internet could make this happen very, very easily. And I got to tell you, it's a unique approach on her part to alibi herself by saying that this was part of research. Because again, back to what I said earlier about being fearful who's out in the audience, it terrifies me. The slide and barrel that Nancy Brophy bought online were never recovered. So that basically means that there's no way to make an identical match of the weapon that killed Dan Brophy. Right you are about that. And I I would think that if her case were to come up on on if her case were ever to come up on appeal one of the major points of appeal could potentially be could potentially be the circumstantial nature of the ballistics with this because there was no way that they could put that weapon into her hand firing that weapon and generating those unique markings on those projectiles that brought dan's life to an end i think that for me, that's that could be a major point of contention on the part of her defense team if they choose to move forward uh, with, you know, with with an appeal in her particular case. I think that that would make it unique. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.